This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Hi. Hi. Sarah Jenks, you are a celebrity in our household. Do you know this? Oh my gosh, I don't. Tell me everything. Okay, I will. Um, <laughs> Dan and I took your marriage course. Mm. And um, every week he'll be like, well, did you read what Sarah had to say? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, well, because you were on your newsletter. And actually Dan is on your n- newsletter because he was the one who signed up for the course. And so like, he, oh, I, I, mean, I, I, I get it, but he's, he was like point man. You know, and right. he feels really, he feels really good about himself as he should. I mean, is there nothing sexier about no, a man? There's nothing sexier. They got to like, feel great about themselves. They feel great about themselves, loving a priestess. And yeah, I feel great cool. about that too. Um, so he's very excited that you're here. I'm very, very excited that you're here. We've been trying to get you on for some time now, but you've been very busy as you should be. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really, I'm so happy to be here and I just am so excited to connect with you. Thanks. Thanks. You know, it's great that other people get to listen. Yeah. Hi people. Um, <laughs> actually, hi people. Sarah, would you introduce yourself to the mom curious, um, audience? Yeah, I'd love to. I'm Sarah Jenks and I am a priestess, which is sort of a triggering word for a mm. lot of people. Because we have had millennia of bad branding of what it means to be a priestess, a holy woman, a sacred woman, a magical woman. And I have really walked this journey of rejecting my sacred feminine and rejecting my magic. I grew up in a you know, a wealthy suburb outside of Boston. And I graduated top of my class in high school. And I went to the top liberal arts college in the country. And my traditional path to success was clear and laid out for me. And I took many, many twists and turns. And a big wake-up call for me was when I became a mom. And it really put me on a journey to needing to find out exactly who I was and why I was here because nothing made sense to me anymore once I became a mother. And here I am today as an ordained priestess. So that's me. I have um, I have a global community of you know over 100,000 women and we do in-person ceremony work. I do online work. I have a community and it's just been so fun walking women through the the sacred ceremonial path to discovering who we are and really coming into our our power. And I work with a ton of moms because that's been a really big part of my journey. And so I'm just really excited to be here with all of you. It's just going to be great. It is going to be great. It's like currently great, at least for me. I don't know about you guys. I'm having a great time. Um you know, like I'm reminded from, I'm reminded that when we're, when we give birth and we have this little baby in our arms, there's a real reckoning with what is linear, what is the next step, what is the masculine, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then this sort of winding path feels so essentially feminine to me. 
And so when we have that first baby, I, you talk a lot about Marshall, who's your first baby. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm listening, babe. I'm like, I'm like on your Instagram. I'm reading your <laughs> newsletters. I know Marshall. I Thank love you. Marshall. I love the, um, the, the little boy, because I have a little boy also, Ness. The little, the little boy who really cracked me open to realize mm-hmm. my own feminine, my winding path, my innate embrace of the unknown, mm-hmm. which is so opposite of the masculine. God bless it. And there is that in us as well. Of yeah. course. Of yeah. course. But man, can I relate to that experience? And many of the listeners are not moms. You know, you just met Laura, who's the executive producer of the podcast, and she's not a mom. And I think there's something so beautiful about the priestess path, the mentor path that you've taken for so long, holding hands with women who may or may not want to be mothers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. that And that's been a whole thing. And I've been really such a stand for women owning their path of not being a mom. Mm. I think it's incredibly important because it's all part of the patriarchal brainwashing that we've all grown up with where there's just so many assumptions that we make about who we're going to be or what we're going to do or even what kind of mother we're going to be or that we're going to be a mom at all. And I feel like the the main theme of our generation is looking at where do we actually have choice and how can we source that choice from within us instead of outside of us? Because that's been my whole journey. I spent my whole life just doing what the outside wanted me to do. And I think that's why I just assumed that I would have a baby and then just want to spend all of my time with him because my mom spent all of her time with me. Bless her. And that's her. what was best for her. Bless her. Is and that what was best for her? I wonder. Was it? I don't know. I think that that is her business and journey. But <laughs> <laughs> and but for me, I I was just like, wow, this whole stay-at-home mom thing, it wasn't going to work for me. No. And that's not to say it doesn't work for a lot of people. But again, like we have, uh, and all of a sudden I realized like, oh, then I had this belief of, well, I can either be a stay-at-home mom and have absolutely no life and lose myself, or I can work and have a life and completely ruin my children. Mm. Right. That's what patriarchal brain. Right. Of course, the binary, the black and white thinking. Right. Exactly. And then I think for women who are choosing whether or not to have kids, it's like, well, I can have kids and be like a good member of society, or I can not have kids and like constantly question my womanhood. Like this is ridiculous. Right. It's and it's it's actually not the truth. Is the is what I think we're getting to is like, what is the patriarchal brainwashing. You you mentioned that there was a trigger word earlier on calling yourself a priestess, but I find that patriarchy is quite triggering for men and women. And I think there's a lot of misconception and you break it down beautifully. But I, I think the misconception that I'm most wary of is this idea that men are bad 
or it's all their fault. And I don't find that the patriarchy is serving men and certainly not Ness and certainly not Marshall. Mm -mm. Um, uh, and certainly not Dan who reads your emails and certainly not your husband who co-facilitated your, um, modern marriage course. Mm -hmm. So if you could actually from your, from your priestesshood, walk us through what is the patriarchy and what is patriarchal brainwashing, I feel like we could get on the same page in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. And I'm just feeling like in this moment, it would be great to have a different word than Mm. patriarchy. You know, like let's call that in because Mm. here's the deal. Um, Mm. If, if our patriarchy was run by the noble masculine, Mm. we would have a very different experience of the past couple thousand years right? Because the noble masculine is deeply loving and protective and steady and even and safe. So this has nothing to do with men. And I think many men on the planet right now are finding their way back to the noble masculine as opposed to just rejecting their inner masculine. And so when I say the patriarchy and I'm like going to really make it a number one priority to find a different word is that it is a system of oppression that deliberately erased the noble feminine. So this has happened in cultures all over the world in many different ways. Of course, we are seeing it so bluntly right now with Iran. Mm-hmm. And in my own, the, the piece that has been, has impacted me the most is my Christian upbringing, where if the, if patriarchal forces hadn't come in and deliberately erased Mother Mary as a priestess and Mary Magdalene as the feminine Christ, Full chills, full, full, full chills. And I and I was raised to believe there was a mother and a father and a masculine Christ and a feminine Christ. I would have a much different understanding about who I am as a feminine being. And I think we would all have a different understanding about our inner masculine and our inner feminine. And so when I say patriarchy, it's the erasure and the lies and the twisting of what the feminine is. And to me, that's the part that I want to look at. And I, you know, a lot of my work is dedicated to how women have actually internalized the stories. And I find that for a lot of us um, who live in the United States, obviously there were under attack in so many ways with the overturn of Roe v. Wade. However, a lot of the patriarchal systems are no longer external, they're internal. And so I really feel strongly about us shifting our internal voices around how we see ourselves. Well, that's what brainwashing does. And I think, you know, when Mm -hmm. Laura and I were talking about this episode, we actually called it societal brainwashing. But I I actually Mm -hmm. know, I, I met you and your work through Avital Schreiber, who was one of our very first guests, very special. 
And you did mention patriarchy and you had a lovely heated debate, which was about, I don't know, three minutes long um, about it. And so I knew that that was the verbiage you used, but societal is good enough for me. Societal brainwashing. um, Mm. And we've internalized it. I know that you talk a little bit about, you know, having grown up being like in a bigger body than your other, than your classmates and 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 revolting against your own self that's not what babies do they love their roles (gasps) oh my god they love to touch their own little bodies and to enjoy how it moves they live on the inside yeah what happened brainwashing right brainwashing Mm. And I think, you know, it comes and it's so, it's so important to understand where it comes from, which is for so long, women literally weren't safe unless we were likable, right? Because we didn't have any rights. Like we couldn't get our own credit card until the 1970s. That was yesterday. That was one day ago. (laughs) (laughs) So literally, if someone was married to us, and we gained a bunch of weight, they could literally just throw us out on the street and we wouldn't be able to have a bank account. Oh my God. I have like a visceral res- like response to that experience. Not not course, because yeah. not because it's actually in my, you know what? Not because it's in my field right now, but because that is that is our um epigenetic inheritance. That's our epigenetics, yep. Yep. And I know that you, you know, know this intimately from doing your short film, and it's like It is, it's really intense. And so we have to remember that whoever is maybe playing a role in teaching us these brainwashing things, it's really patterned as a survival mechanism. Right. And so I think when we can start to look at it as a survival mechanism and then realize we don't need that survival mechanism anymore and we can do the, you know, embodied somatic trauma work with our bodies to really help us just realize we're not dying. Mm. Well, we're not there. Oh, sorry. You were going to say it makes. No, no, no. Well, the, I think the real thing is like even with epigenetics and I, and thank you for, for mentioning my film, you know, I come from Holocaust survivors, but I also come from a line of women, mm-hmm. just women, just all women, just, you know, my family actually is from Iran on my father's side. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, if you have ever been to a Persian event, if you have ever eaten Persian food, if you have ever heard the Persian language, music, ever met a Persian woman in LA, in New York, they're all, you know, you can meet them anywhere, but there are large Persian communities. They are so fucking sexy, opulent, sexy, not over-sexualized, but they are in their feminine. Yeah. 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 And that was, as you said about, you know, U.S. history, it wasn't until the revolution in the 70s that this, you know, regime took over and, as you say, erased the juiciness, the winding embrace mm-hmm. of the feminine. Yeah. And I come area. from Puritans. 
So like, mm. it's intense in here. It's yeah. intense in the heart space still, even yeah. after all this work? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's not like the blanket that runs my life, but it comes up from time to time. Like it's still there to be worked on. Right. And, right. Um, and there are, of course, like things that trigger it that come forward where I have a part that's like not safe, right, not right, safe. Right, right. And I just have to be like, it is not 1850 anymore and everything is fine. <laughs> Right, because you're a witch, you know? Yeah. From Boston. Yeah. From Boston. Yep. Well, and literally, my ancestors are from here. So, like, I, like, my ancestors came over on the Mayflower, settled here, mm-hmm. been here for a very long time, obviously a very dark and riddled history with the genocide of Native Americans and my family and being settlers and all of the things. And... Also, I also feel a lineage of magic and sacred feminine, not only from a soul perspective, but from a, like an actual DNA perspective. Yeah. And, um, and so when I lived in California, it was like a lot easier to just like exist. But now that I'm back in Massachusetts, you know, there's, it's, there's stuff that comes up. Do you think it's easier to exist outside of your hometown? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like exist as, as like, right, as an evolved being, as an adult. I yeah. I totally do. I think it's easier. And I also think that there's a specific path of growth that mm-hmm. some people choose when they decide to really be their full and expressed selves mm-hmm. in their hometown. Right, right. You know, um, I'm reminded of this idea called Laisha Vidya, which a meditation teacher once um, introduced me to, which is like the latent remains of ignorance. So mm. when we ha- when we're still triggered by when we're still triggered by thinking we're under attack, when we're in fact safe or mm-hmm. relatively so. Mm-hmm. They're, these are the faint remains of ignorance so that we can be relevant to those who need, who are also on the path. So we can um, lend a hand, right? So you're holding space for these women and you're not saying, oh, I don't experience this anymore. It's all over for me. I, you know, I'm just floating on a, a cloud. Come join me. You're saying like, no, I, I get it. You're not crazy. No, This yeah, is really a scary landscape and we can work through it together. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and part of my work of being a priestess is using the life path as the path to integrity and awakening. So where other lineages will use meditation or transcendental meditation or study, um, the path of the priestess in my specific lineage is, is literally using your life. And so I have to really get comfortable with get being uncomfortable because that is like literally my tool is how it shows up in me and in my life. And then using that as a mirror for what's happening in my community's life. You know, you posted something very recently about you're a woman who travels, you're a woman who takes care of yourself, 
somehow that's threatening to the patriarchy. <laughs> and by the patriarchy, I mean other ladies who want to yep. <laughs> who want to shame you and and yep. men too, I'm sure. But just just it's mostly just women. But it's mostly women. See, this is yeah, why yeah. this is why we we do need another name. Okay, societal pressures <laughs> would have yep. other women want to hold us down because um. Because if I'm brainwashed, I want you to be brainwashed too. If I'm playing small, I want you to play small with me. Who else am I going to hang out with in the, in the tent if you're off in Paris taking photos totally. and making out with your husband? Who am I going <laughs> to complain to? Who am I going to, who, if you, well, and that's of course my small mind, right? That's of course not my higher self, just for the mm -hmm. record. Yeah, you know, and and I I I see that in in the day to day, and it's your job in the day to day to say, "Oof, I see, I get you, I see you, and I yeah. won't let you." It's like those crabs in a a bucket. I know that pull the other crabs down. Yeah, come die with me. Will you, will you share that whole thing for people? Because I'm trying to remember. Like, yeah. So there's a phenomenon if you have crabs in a bucket and one of the crabs creeps up to the top, one of his friends at the bottom will literally go all the way up to the top and bring him back down. Wild. Wild. Yeah. It's like a, it's a faulty survival mechanism. Like somehow that crab thinks, oh, if you come back down with me, we'll all be okay. But in fact, no, 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 no. We need all the crabs out of the bucket that we can. And just to, you know, be clear, we're the crabs, guys. We are we, the crabs. Women are the crabs. Yeah. You know, it's really, it's crazy. You know, the thing that someone said to me one time, I should remember who it was. I should probably try to remember, um, was that what happens is if someone is not living in alignment with their soul and their truth, hmm. And they've gotten really committed to that. And they and they just don't feel like it's possible to do anything different. And so they have spent a lifetime feeling like a little bit disappointed in their life because they really feel like they have to. Again, it's that survival mechanism. And then they see someone else who has like maybe a similar life who chooses to do something different and coming to terms with maybe they wasted five right. years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years saying, staying stuck in a place of their conditioning as opposed to like being free. Yeah. It, that's hard to look at. It's a heartbreaking. You know? it's, heartbreaking. it's heartbreaking. Like imagine being in a jail cell and you've just sat there for 20 years and someone comes over and just takes the key off the wall and opens the door. And all of a sudden you're thinking about two decades of what you could have had if you just left, if you just looked up and got mm -hmm. the key. Mm -hmm. And that is, that takes deep bravery yeah. to look at how you maybe could have done things differently and to find then the courage to go forward and do it differently because just in the act of like opening the door and leaving the life that you've built for yourself, you're also saying that maybe you didn't really like your life before. Right. 
And we haven't been taught that that's okay, that we're allowed to change our mind all the time, that we're allowed to do things differently, that we're allowed to evolve. And that's one of the things that our society took away from us because embedded in the sacred feminine is is cyclic is the cycles of the seasons, is the cycles of the moon, right? And we're meant to have the energy of spring where we're growing and summer where we're celebrating and then fall where we're dying and releasing and winter where it's just like we feel lost and we don't know where we are and things are fallow. We have no creativity, but then it comes up again. And it's like, we are literally wired to change Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And I just want, I want women to just like have some permission to be like, nope, just going to do it differently now because I'm different. Well, you know, I do, I have that experience where like, no pivot, 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 pivot. And I do find that my husband is like, you are so fickle and you are so airy fairy and you are so artsy fartsy. And all I could think is like, that's why you're into this. Yeah, so we're like doing that, this. I think it's great. Point. It's the whole point to me. It's the whole point. Well, the thing that I, I love bringing women's attention to, and a lot of people have heard this before, but maybe you'll hear it differently and maybe it's new for you, is, you know, the sun is a masculine essence. The sun basically rises and sets at more or less the same time every day. And, you know, it changes a little bit, but, you know, we sort of know we can depend on the sun. The moon is nuts. Like the moon go what the the cycle the sun goes through goes through in a year the moon goes through that in 29 days so the sun goes through the entire zodiac in a year the moon goes through the entire zodiac in 29 days the moon is a feminine essence and also the moon is expanding and contracting every month and it's going through a different sign every two and a half days and it's at a radically different place in the sky every day Like when it's a new moon, you can't even see it. It's on the other side of the earth. When it's a full moon, it's in the sky. You know, it's so hard to track. And that's the feminine. And we just have to embrace it because we're creators and creative energy is very fickle. You know, Jonathan always says, I'm like the weather in Texas. It's like, like, I'm sunny in the morning and screw in the afternoon. And like, he's like, you just bring a raincoat and it'll pass eventually. And it's true, but that's creative energy. And the masculine is sustainer energy. Mm. I mean, the masculine is that penetrating force, that that consistent um, force, like consistent. I mean, isn't that the like one of the greatest qualities? I mean, I, you know, I, I'm I'm in a heterosexual partnership, so for me, being with a man, I'm like, he is so fucking consistent. He is there every day doing that thing he does. And that turns me on. And I, yeah, right? Like, it makes you giggle. You're like, yeah. (laughs) On any given day, at any given time, I'm like, I'm, you know, Madonna, right? Not the, not, not the, um, the, the first Madonna, but Madonna, the musician, right? Yeah. Do you remember watching her totally transform every six, eight, 12 months? She was this yeah. other person. Her music was different. Her look was different. Her interests were different. 
that is the feminine. And it's not that it's like, it's not airy fairy, actually, because if you look at her, right, she has a very strong masculine. She really saw things to the end. She held her own. And her creative whirlwind was all about evolution, but not like evolution over the course of a lifetime. Evolution right before your eyes. Absolutely. And that's what's so great is when you can integrate, you know, a strong masculine allows for a free feminine. And that can be in relationships that can, regardless of gender, that can be within ourselves. Mm. And I think, you know, because you can expand like the stronger the container, the more wild we can be. Right. And how fun is that? You know, some. Something something that I, I constantly talk with Dan about is, like, how much fun is important to me. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think he, like, wants to enjoy his life. But it's not like – it doesn't, like, drive him, you know, yeah. for whatever reason. Maybe it's conditioning. But I, I think there's, like, something pretty essential. And it's not a personality necessarily. But I feel like when I'm most in my creativity, when I'm most in my self, I have – a lot of fun. I seek it. I enjoy. I I like give myself permission to have pleasure. I there's there's a teacher named Mama Gina who always references the clitoris and it's like how many nerve endings in there? Like we are wired for pleasure. And like yeah. I'm not saying that Dan isn't into it. It's just it's not like the main focus of his life. And yeah. wouldn't that be a shame if he just if I didn't let that spill over into his existence. Exactly. Yeah, I know. And that's what's so great. And that I love that you use that phrase spill over because we really have to like fill ourselves up first and then offer from the overflow. Yeah. I'm wondering actually if you would walk us through your, and I know that you, you offer this in so many of your beautiful um, courses. I took the Sovereign Mother course as well, by oh, the way. Oh, you did? Oh, good. Well, that was the moment that I thought, oh, man, I got to get Sarah on this podcast. Like, mm. if we could just give the ladies a heads up, Sarah Jenks style. Aww. We, we as a species, we just, we as a species would, would do so well to be allowed to be ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's, you know, that's why I created Sovereign Mother. It's like, the sacred path of freedom inside of motherhood. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Anyways, what were you going to say? Well, just that I was, you know, in case there are people who are listening who don't know your work just yet or your story, I, I was wondering if you would walk us through. Maybe maybe let us know, did you always want to be a mother? And yeah. what what your life was before and mm-hmm. what that experience was after Yeah, that's a great question. So I did always want to be a mom. And I, however, I got pregnant out of the blue. And so that was an initiation in and of itself. I didn't feel ready to be a mom when I got pregnant. Uh, Jonathan and I were married, but he was in his third year of a six-year surgical residency. And so he was working 90 hours a week and I was supporting us financially. 
So I was nervous about what it was going to be like to have a baby, um, with our situation. So, but my hope was that I would feel so in love with being a mom Mm -hmm. that all of the hardship around money and like all of, you know, Jonathan not being around was just going to disappear. And that really didn't happen. It made it worse. And, you know, I think that there were definitely some chemical things going on with postpartum depression. I think that being the primary breadwinner postpartum was incredibly traumatic for me to, I didn't feel like I could fully just rest and heal because I felt under the gun to pay for our rent um, and our nanny and everything that I then needed to go, you know, make money. And food, and food then, is good. Food is good to food, have. Also food. food is yeah. good. Um, and then I got pregnant again by accident when Marshall was nine months old. You guys got to get out of that bed. We do, but I mean, (laughs) that was like a miracle because we were, I hadn't, I hadn't even gotten my period yet. Wow. And like, we were not very intimate all the time. Like we were fighting, we were fighting. So listen, when when people want to get born, they get born. I'm going to be straight up. So I got pregnant and I was taught, you know, I was with Annabelle and I was like, what's up? And she's, she said, she's like, you need me. to be here. And it's true. Like I did. And just her energy and like her and Marshall, they're like twins Mm. because they're born 17 months apart. And the two of them, they have traveled so many lifetimes together. You can just feel their connection. They, she was just like, I am coming no matter what we need to be together. And so I got to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And So now I have two kids under two. I have a completely absent husband. We're now fighting all the time and I'm trying to support us financially. It was a nightmare. Yep. It was a nightmare. I want to just pause and say that like, um, it's so cool. It's just so cool to hear your story because you lived it. You're not, you know, like you lived it. Here we could talk yeah. and pontificate on priest priestesshood and patriarchy and consciousness and like also also you lived it. Yeah. You know yeah. it and you've gotten anyway, I'm excited. I'm excited for you guys. For you <laughs> to know you. audience. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And so I was I was just in the depths of survival mode. And I was, um, going to into sacred ceremony with my mentor and I was keeping it a secret from, from everybody because I was so being normal and being good and like having cute pictures was directly, I thought directly tied to me making money to keep my kids alive. Right. And so I, although I felt more like myself when I was sitting in ceremonial temple space than I ever have, I had, I just felt like I had to be two people and it was so hard. What is ceremonial temple space? Oh, that's a great question. So 
I like to explain it where a lot of people sort of understand what a Reiki practitioner is, where they're using energy to line up all the chakras in your body. Mm-hmm. The way I like to explain temple space is you're lining up the energy of all the people in the room mm. so that you're in a almost like a portal or a vortex that's created by everybody's presence mm. and, and held by someone who understands how to um, hold coherent space like through frequency and through energy work. Wow. And, and there's no supplements or medicine or drugs no, of any kind? Wow. No, you feel it's a, you can get very altered, but no, there's no drugs or medicine. I don't do any of that sort of shamanic um, facilitation. Mm-hmm. And we do, in my lineage, it's called the 13 moon lineage. And we do a lot of work around feminine archetypes. A lot of it is embodiment. Um, you sort of have to be in it to experience it. But all I knew was that I was experiencing like five years of therapy in one day of temple yeah, and just really doing deep healing work around my wounds and my patterning and, um, processing a lot of my depression of being a mom and also having a really real space to be honest about how I was feeling. So it just kept me alive this yeah. modality, yeah. this practice that I was doing in secret and like literally <sighs> taking out my altar in the morning and like putting it under my bed. And, um, you know, and it so was different. hard. Yep. Yeah, right? So different than now. It was like, so different than now you because know. you're so public about your needs, your yeah. actions, your calling, mm-hmm. um, your messiness, mm-hmm. humanness, womanhood. Yeah. It's so different. And you know what? that's what transition looks like. Exactly. Sometimes it looks like it's a secret and you're doing it for you and no one needs to know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then eventually, usually it's like, oh, now I'm so, you know, I can't not be my whole self anymore. Mm-hmm. And it just became too uncomfortable to be the not me in my life. And I was the not me with Jonathan, my husband. I was the not me with my kids. I was the not me with my friends, you know, in my work everywhere. And I just, I had to get in alignment with who I actually was. And at the time, Marshall was having, was really struggling behaviorally. And I just kept hearing in Temple, it was because I was like projecting all of my feelings of resentment of not being myself, that was actually my doing, not his. And was it really your doing? To, you, it was really your doing? You had to clean it up. Yeah, I had to clean it up because I was blaming him for me not feeling free. Mm, I cannot relate to that more. It's why I think I track your Marshall story so closely. You know, mm-hmm. I have... Uh, and the, the you know the subconscious uh, stuff is so s- subtle for us, and so not subtle for the people we're in relationship to, particularly the young ones yeah. of us who are they sensitive. Feel they feel it. Don't we all feel it? Don't we all feel it? Um, yeah. But though, but but we we know the little ones of us really they feel it, and they also tell us straight away, stop. 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 There was like a year in COVID where Ness, what, Ness, this like 
even-tempered, beautiful, amazing, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, he's like my favorite little boy. Yeah. He was having the hardest time, just like you're saying about Marshall. It's because I was having a really hard time. No, they just, they say and express what we don't. Mm-hmm. Bless them. And They're so intact. I know. Oh my God. They're just barometers. And I, people kept telling me, oh, you just have to spend more time with him. And I finally got really real with myself. It's like, I, I have to get free in my life because it's not Marshall's fault. It's my fault. I can choose. I have freedom. It's my choice. I can create the life that I want. I need to speak my truth and be who I am. And when I did that, Marshall and I became so close. He completely changed the, you know, we just, we finally bonded and it's amazing. And it had a ripple effect everywhere. You know, we started this conversation with talking about modern marriage, but like Jonathan was a dick, you know, just like, just not a good partner at all. And we talk about this publicly all the time. So I'm not saying. Yeah. yeah. And, And I, and I signed up for the course. So like, yeah, you're in good company. I think it's easy to be a dick when we believe we deserve a dick. You know, it's like, right, exactly. you know, it's easy. Exactly. It's easy. You know, I'm not saying that it's all, um, I think like, you know, there's this like victim blaming, uh, narrative going on. And I don't think that's true. I think everyone has, um, free will, but when we expect men to be a certain way, when we expect to be the martyr and that that's mm-hmm. the, then then everyone's okay with us being a martyr. I don't know what you're yeah. complaining about. You you set out to play this role. I don't understand why you're so tired. You know? I know. Anyway. I know. I you're do. not alone. As you know very clearly, you're not alone. I know. I mean, it's wild how many women are putting up with mistreatment in their marriage and just thinking it's totally normal. It's not. But, it's, and it's not fun for them either. Dan loves your course. Loves it. I'm so we glad. love we love Jonathan. He's I'm, he's amazing, and this is why we had to really dive in because part of me getting free was needing to have a different partner, mm-hmm. and I knew that I couldn't be the fullest expression of myself. That I couldn't really be the true me if I was if Jonathan was creating a stressful vibe, an edgy vibe in our home every day right, and not on his own path of him mm. being free. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, the point in me bringing that up is that I just really want women to know that when you do decide to think about what it means for you to have the life you really, really want, it, it does create a lot of discomfort in the family system And it creates the most unbelievable ripple effect if the people in your family system are also willing to look at themselves and say, I also want to be me. Mm. That was a big journey for him also, right? Huge journey. Lots of resistance. Um, And he had to go through all of his own stuff. You know, he's a grandson of Holocaust survivors, and there's a lot there. And... I know. And he had a lot. And and also residency, surgical residency, it's like being 
in an abusive cult. Oh, great. You know, it's just like really difficult. Mm -hmm. So you had a lot of healing work to do. Well, the thing is like, you know, Dan is a, a, was a corporate lawyer. He's now an entertainment lawyer. He's because because of my feminine enjoying my life as an actress he's like wait you could like like what you do and, and be good at it and make money like whoa this is but that training you know being abused it even i'm not even talking about like you know parental abuse and the ripple effect of that i'm just talking about person to person when you are not yes. sleeping when you're not being treated with enough respect there is just no way for you to be kind to your partner and yeah. the same goes for right and then and then on it goes to the children we have to exactly. be really mindful of where we're putting our our, our bodies in space who we're mm-hmm. interacting with because it has a ripple effect I'm yeah, sure it, it really was does. worth it. I'm sure it was worth it for him to be a doctor and, you know, all, all of this. But it's it's yeah. it's inevitable. Hurt people hurt people. Yeah, it's really true. It's really true. And um, but he's he did the work and it's just been amazing to watch how it's impacting our kids, how it's impacting me and, you know, just watching. It's just so fun. Like when you're a person who's on your path, it's like really fun to be married to someone who's on their path and not somebody else's path. It's just sort of like, it's just nice, you know? Yeah. I don't think it has to be that way, but you don't, I enjoy it that way. You don't think it has to be that way? I mean, I try to not make like blanket statements, (sighs) you know, about things. I don't know. I mean, for, it couldn't be any other way for me. Well, I think you're you're clearly a person who needed to break free from the paradigm you were living in. No yeah. one in your family is a priestess. No one in your family is anything nope. but Christian, I'm I'm assuming, right? Yep. Like you were incarnated to be the change, the difference, right? Yeah. Not everyone is that way. There are so many, you know, wonderful people who are genuinely happy with the cards they were dealt and yeah. the life that they're living. Which is great. Like, we uh, need you. We need you. Just be be happy, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, be yeah. happy. But Jonathan is now leading men, isn't he? He is, yeah. He has an amazing program called Men's Work. And he does sort of like the intro to inner work for men. And he works with a lot of like professional dads. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun. I like try to feel the energy, you know, every time he does around, he has like 40 to 50 guys and they're wow. just like, yeah, it's an amazing program. What he's doing is incredible. In person? No, it's all online. Beautiful. Um, and you do in-person and online retreats. Is that right? What I do. Like? That's correct. What are they like? Oh, they're Look amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. So yes. I just did, I, I just did my first sort of larger scale in-person retreat. So we live on a 23-acre sacredly tended farm, half an hour outside of Boston. I have a temple here that I'm in right now. And we have this like, it's just an incredible land. It's like a whole other story, but we we bought it from my high school therapist who also Mm -hmm. did sacred feminine work. It's just like, just a wild miracle that happened. We have a lake here, so... Just recently, I had 75 women come, and 
We did sacred ceremony outside. And I really like to weave the ceremony with the practical application in our lives so that we're super clear because when we're in ceremony, what we get to do is we get to talk to the soul. It's sort of like being in a waking dream where we end up seeing things and experiencing things like in, in symbols and metaphor and seeing things. And so we end up learning so much about the truth about who we are in a very short period of time because we're bypassing the mind. And then what I like to do is, you know, we take that sort of, um, metaphorical experience and make it really concrete so that women can really shift their environment back home. And so I do these um, with sort of different, uh, in different categories of our life, depending on what women are really needing in the moment. So um, I have one coming up that we're going to do a similar, um, a similar journey, but we're going to do it online. So I have this amazing amazing four-person camera team that comes to the temple. We have women in the temple. And then I teach everyone how to set up ceremonial space in their home. And we'll spend a whole day together doing this ceremonial strategic process around our soul's work in the world. And then I have one that's about the body. Jonathan and I are going to do this for modern marriage next time. So it's going to, I'm moving to having everything be in these like ceremonial, strategic, immersive initiations. Because the truth is, what I've experienced recently is that if I can get done in one or two days Mm -hmm. what I would normally have to spend two months teaching online, Mm -hmm. like why not just do it in two days? It's so much more efficient. Well, because, yeah, especially if you're in, like, a retreat setting and your nervous system is so receptive and calm and fed and full of nature and community. I mean, it's just, like, it really can bake in in a way that just, like, popping onto your computer can't. However, you um, held Sovereign Mother online, and I took that course. It was maybe two hours a day for three days. And I distinctly remember you walking us through a visualization of, I think the prompt was basically like, imagine you're doing what you want to (laughs) do. Of course, there was poetry and (laughs) it was was a little more zhuzhed, but um, (laughs) what if you did whatever the fuck you wanted to do or what you were put on the earth to do or what your soul's calling is asking of you to do right now? Well, you... I remember it and I was in Paris and I mm. remember coming back and maybe it was 10 minutes. I have no idea, but time in that space, who knows? I came back and my kids were happy and they were, I was happy and I could feel the ripple effect of pleasure on pleasure. Yeah. I'm my nervous system being calm. And, you know, they say play is the work of the child, but play is the work of the mother too. Yeah, so good. So how did that impact like your waking life after you went through that visualization? Well, I went to Israel for four or five days on a, you know, to do a conference and also just to like enjoy Israel over Purim, which is just, just fantastic. And I came home and I was, I felt like I had retrieved a part of myself 
given it mm. a big hug, a part of myself that maybe I didn't even have when I was a child. Like I like went to Israel to go get it and bring it back home with me. And then, you know, that last one of the last posts that I saw you post was you were like, um, I get to be a juicy woman who loves her husband and gets to travel and look beautiful and take photos. And maybe this wasn't always my story, but it's my story right now. And other people have shitty things to say and that's okay. And I literally that day was like, okay, one of my dearest friends is a meditation teacher. She's doing a retreat in Costa Rica. And I was like, sign me up, (laughs) sign me up. I got, I got the one life. I got the one life. One time, my kids don't want to feel like a burden. They don't want to feel like a burden. It's not fair. And it's not fair to use them as a tool or a pawn in the brainwashing. You know, so what happens in the brain is like we have thoughts and we want to prove them on the outside. Ness and pause. They are in still in that liminal space. They are so close to the source. They don't want to be used as a pawn or an excuse for my smallness. No. no That's not fair to no, anyone no. involved. So here I come, Costa Rica. Bam, ba, da, ba, do, ba, da. Yes. Oh my God. That's amazing. I'm so excited for you. Thank That's you so much. Awesome. Um, and as you know, you know, Dan has also really evolved in this in this time. Really beautiful. Oh, I'm so glad. That makes me so happy to hear. Yeah. I just, I started work. working with, you know, I've been working with women for 10 years and so many women were getting divorced. And I was like, oh, geez, okay, we need to do something. <laughs> right. We right. got to do something different. And so right. that's when Jonathan and I started teaching modern marriage and men get to grow too. Yeah. I think you, like you, like you mentioned earlier on, it's like when you're doing your work and you're holding boundaries and you're changing as women must. I do think it causes friction. I do. And that's normal. And we need the tools to navigate them, navigate that because often we come together having bond, you know, trauma bonds and we're young or we're both brainwashed or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We're coming together and we're this way. And it is the natural course of things for certainly women to evolve and change. And that's got to impact the consistent, the container. The guy. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and I'm talking specifically with a heterosexual relationship only because that's my experience, but I I just have a hunch. I just have a hunch this uh, applies elsewhere as well. Yeah, it does. It does. So we're wrapping up. I could talk to you forever, but you know what? I'll just sign up for one of your um, retreats and we can hang out in person. And Jonathan and I can have a good, we could have a good second generation holocaust survivor hug a good one we made it babe we made it we love that yeah we're we're miracles all of us miracles Miracles. where can i find you on the interwebs and where can our audience find you maybe even really uh at at your next in-person retreat so give us yeah that would be great yeah so um the best place to just feel like you're hanging out with me is on instagram which uh, is I'm at Sarah Jenks. Mm. And you can also go to sarahjenks.com. It's Sarah with an H, J-E-N-K-S. And then my next amazing online retreat is coming out soon. I haven't even announced the name yet, but it's going to be epic. Just 
come on, stay tuned and you'll, you'll see it. I tend to like put off fireworks when I do new things. What it's, about your, it's so fun. Um, yeah, you're really, you're really good at the fireworks. I have, um, I'm like, I'm so into it. Uh, don't you have a membership also? I do. I also have a membership called Holy Woman mm-hmm. and Holy Woman is a really great place to start. And it's also a really great thing to pair with any of the other work that I do because it is the sustainer community. You join for a year. We have hundreds of women in it and it's the path to going from just thinking you're a normal average human to mm-hmm. really remembering that you're a holy woman. And so we do a lot of ritual. There's a lot of practices. We track the moon, we track the astrology. It's a place to come and really be seen and be heard and have deep, meaningful conversations. I talk about, um, we have this thing that's called sacred Sunday school, which is like all of the sacred feminine, um, religious, lore that we should have received in, in any religion. I have guests come on and talk about different sacred, like the lost sacred feminine stories. And so it's just a fun, deep, amazing place to be. And the women are next level. So loving, so caring, so smart. It's an amazing place. Are your, um, courses like Sovereign Woman also available sort of a la carte? Yes. Sovereign, not all of them, but Sovereign Mother is available all the time. And you can get that right on my website. Awesome. And you said in the course, I remember you said, we need the women who aren't necessarily mothers yet to know this information of sovereignty, of the importance of self and self-discovery and um, their own strength, because Mm -hmm. we are, we're, we're, um, because we're caring for the next generation. Right? Yeah. Can you imagine how high vibe, how high vibe these little beings can be, and some already are? No, I find that like a lot of the children coming in are so high vibe, just naturally, and our job is to just like knock it in the way. Mm-hmm. 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 No, it's um, it's an amazing generation coming up. Amen. 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 Yeah. I feel that too. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Danielle. This was so great. I'm so glad. All right. See you on the interwebs. Maybe I'll see you. Do you, wait, wait, hold on. Do people sleep over in your, in your compound? Not yet, but next time. I'm gunning for a slumber party is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, we're going to do it. No, (laughs) next time I'm actually looking at this really cool glamping company. Oh, great. That's going to come and like set up tents all over the property. Okay. So So then I'll see you then. See yeah, you there. Perfect. And then. Okay. Bye.